Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Well, welcome to Renaissance, everyone. Did you survive Christmas okay? No, that's the answer in the room. A uh, real interesting factoid for you. Uh, last week here at Renaissance and all three services, we had 744 people attend last Woo! week. Like the overflow was full, the other overflow, there was a stairway overflow. We put people in the building next door type overflow. It was crazy. Now, don't be alarmed. Many of those people are, are just people who come out at Christmas, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so we don't plan on seeing them again until next year. But all that to say... the. the Renaissance truly is still experiencing a, a lot of growth. And so it makes it challenging for us when we have to pack in here and when overflow rooms are cut in half, et cetera. But I'm telling you, man, God has a plan and we're working that plan um, sometime next year. I keep thinking sometime late spring, maybe early summer, we're going to have a new sanctuary space that has probably 500 seats or as many as we can crowd in there, a brand new elevator, new office space. We're really expanding. It's a wonderful thing. So anyways, I'm just so glad that God is doing some great things. I'm glad to see all of you. I'm glad that we survived Christmas, but just as we get up from that holiday, here comes another holiday, New Year's Eve. You ready for this one? Yeah. Maybe this is the better one. I don't know. Um, I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions, anyone? And it's primarily because I don't keep them very well. Who wants to admit that? I, don't, I have a drawer littered with all the resolutions that I've made over the years that I started very well at the beginning of the year and then sort of uh, fallen short by the end of the year. But <clears throat> here's a really neat thing about me. I love the promise of a new year or the new beginning. Is there, everyone know what I'm talking about? So like I was the kid, um, like Christmas Eve is a real exciting time for young kids. But for me, when I was young, the, the most exciting day for me was the day before a new school year, right? The night before a new school year, like going into seventh grade or eighth grade. I mean, I specifically remember buying new polos in the pastel color that was happening. I was going to pop my collar that year and I was going to be cool. Shut up. I, I keep waiting for that, that coolness to land upon me at some point. I mean, I, I, I just like the promise of new beginnings of a new year. I've always been like that. So um, I didn't intend to share this with any of the services, but I did it for the morning service. So I'll share it with you too. But I actually, I did write down some resolutions or I'll call them goals for my life. And, and I wasn't going to share them with you because they're kind of private, but I got my inspiration for writing down my resolutions from another pastor that I follow on social media. 
um, super brilliant guy out of New York, and he wrote down some of the goals that he's working towards for the new year, and it inspired me to actually put pen to paper and to write down some things. Do you know that it's best for you to actually consider your goals to write them down? Otherwise, you'll never attain them. Did you ever consider that? Like, you don't accidentally, like, complete one of your goals. You have to work towards it. So let me just start with this obligatory statement that for my 2019, I want all of it to be centered around Jesus. I want it to be centered around my identity as Brittany was talking about as a son of God the Father who cares for me, sent his son Jesus for me, and now has empowered me by his Holy Spirit to live the very life that he wants for me. Who wants to live the life that God has for you? Yes. And so that's the middle of what I want to do. But outside of that, I'm working on a couple uh, boxes, if you will, of, of goals. My first one would be this, is I want to I pray more. Now, I'm a pastor of a church, so you would say, well, you shouldn't you pray? Don't mishear me. I pray. I want to pray more. I want to, I want to really pray more. And, and, and in that vein, I'm actually going to set an alarm in my phone at 9 o'clock, at 12 o'clock, at 3 o'clock every day, and I'm going to pause, hopefully whatever I'm doing, and, and spend some time in prayer. I'm going to go back to my prayer lists that I used to work through back in the days. Anybody ever pray through prayer lists, just writing things down to intentionally choose to pray for family members and, and friends and, and, and my children? I want to pray more. I know the Bible talks about living a life that, that looks like praying without ceasing. I want that to be in my life. I want every consideration, every thought that I have to run through the filter of what does God desire for me? I don't have to pause, put my hands together and say things like in Jesus name. I mean, I want to look towards God and ask him, what does he want in this decision for me right now? I mean, not like whether I should eat tacos or not eat tacos. That's stupid. Of course, eat tacos. That's the answer. You don't have to pray about that. Say amen, right? Nah. I want to pray more. I want to read my Bible more. Did I mention I'm a pastor of a church? <laughs> yes, I read my Bible. Again, don't miss him. I just want to read it more. Lifeway Research Group just completed a 10-year study, 10-year research study. And they looked at people who were desiring things like spiritual maturity, spiritual discipline and growth. And what they found in this 10-year study, that there is one primary ingredient that leads to spiritual discipline in your life. Would you want to guess what it is? It's reading the Bible. And all of the other disciplines that you and I might have for our life to, to, to serve more, to give more, to evangelize more, to be a better witness for Christ in this world, all of those things, those, those primarily come out of that first one, which is studying the Bible more. I want to so be transformed in my life by reading the Bible that people would notice it. That's my desire. This is what I want for myself. And so I wrote these things down. Maybe some of these things will resonate with you and you'll just make a mental note. Maybe I should think about that too. I don't know. Another thing I want to do um, is I want to work on rest. I don't rest well. I'm a broken man. I confess that to you. And I don't say so half-heartedly. I mean, I I'm confessing to you. I, I don't rest well. My wife and I went on a, a couple's retreat this last fall. Um, in fact, we were the only couple there, so it was kind of a, just a couple retreat. It was just her and I and a therapist. And that's not funny. <laughs> 
But the, the counselor looked at me after spending a few days with me, and he says, Jeff, he goes, you, you need to learn to rest, brother. You need to learn to rest. What I want you to hear behind this, this issue of rest and the lack thereof in my life, there's a hidden sin there. Don't you love it when people confess their sin, sins to you? Here, here's the sin in my life. Um, I don't rest a lot because I don't trust God to take care of things when I'm resting. Ooh. You guys remember the, the, the picture of the guy spinning plates on all of those sticks and you know they're running around just frantically trying to keep all the plates spinning so that they'll stay up? I have that picture in my mind of what my life looks like. And if for, for any moment I were to stop spinning plates, they'll come crashing down. And yet the Lord and the Bible would inform this about him that he is in fact sovereign over all and is in charge of everything. And quite honestly would desire me to get out of the way on, in some occasions, Yes. I need to learn to rest well. The, the Bible uses the word Sabbath. I need to Sabbath. I need to spend time just stopping the work that I do. I know this, too, that nobody will Sabbath by accident. You don't trip and fall down and go, oops, just Sabbath, <laughs> right? <laughs> it doesn't happen by accident. These goals are important to, to pencil down, to write down. Uh, and we'll talk later about setting, setting a plan in place to make these things happen. <clears throat> One of the other things that I want to work on in my life is my work life. I, I work for a church. I, I love what I do for a living. I love to teach and, and help people understand the, 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 the mysteries, if you will, of Scripture and who Jesus is, et cetera, and all of that stuff. I love, I love pointing people to God and all of the things that he has for their life. And to do that very well, it requires that I study a ton. I, I want you to know, I, it's as if I write an eight to 10 page research paper every week. Who wants that job? I do. I desire this. I want this. But what I've learned is that I, I run on empty a lot of times if I don't spend time studying and reading. I, I have a desire to just consume large amounts of information so that I can uh, disseminate it to all of us here. And when I don't get a chance to do that, my teaching suffers. I believe my workload suffers. I desire to excel in my work. And so that's a goal for this next year. In fact, I've got a list of books that I'm starting to put together so that I can read through them next year. Anyone else a book reader? You have your list yet? Write them down. And then the last little thing that I want to work on, and it's not, this list is by no means exhaustive. There are many other things. You might mention health, and I judge you for that, just saying. <laughs> but one of the things that I want to work on in, in my life is my relationships. My relationships primarily with my wife, Stacy. I want my wife to know that I desperately love her and need her in my life. I, I don't want to do this thing called life without her. I need her to understand that. But I'm going to have to foster that environment. I'm going to have to foster that relationship with her. I need to spend, like today at lunch, I picked a date and put Stacy date night and just picked a Friday and put it on the calendar. Because I know that if I don't choose to do this now, it'll never happen. So once a month, if I could get her to date me, wouldn't that be awesome? We've only been married 22 years. She might say no, I have no idea. But if I could get her to date me and we could go out and not talk about church, huh? did I mention my wife works with me here? So we spend an awful lot of time together. I, I wanna know her outside of work. I wanna know her outside of her family role as mother. I wanna know her as my lover, my friend, yes? I have two teenage daughters, they're wonderful. I don't know if you know this about teenage daughters, but they mature and grow up and go off to college and find themselves married to other people. 
My time with them is limited. So my, my, my desire to increase my relationship with them is desperate now. So I put a date on the calendar for my wife. I put a date for my oldest daughter, Riley, and for my youngest daughter, Reagan, if I could just get them to date me too. And that leaves one weekend left for this other thing in my life. When I was in California at this couple retreat with a therapist, he told me, Jeff, you know what you need outside of rest? He says, you need a friend. You just need a friend, right? Someone you can just confide in and trust. And so this, this last week of the month, I need a friend. I'm taking applications right now if you guys want to apply for that job. No. The, the first question on the application is, do you eat tacos more than 10 times a week? And if the answer is yes, then you can move on to question two. Uh, but I need a friend. And, and underneath all of that, I don't just need a friend. I actually need right friends. I need people who, who, when I'm with them, they edify me, they encourage me. I feel better having been with them. Because in this the statement, Jeff, you need a friend, I also hear, Jeff, you need to let some friends go. You have people that you're just with, and when, when you're done hanging out with them, you just feel, I won't use the word dirty, but not encouraged, maybe is a better explanation. You have people that you just spend time with and afterwards you're going, man, that was hard. And here's the sucky thing about all of that. Sometimes these people are in fact part of our family. And it's like we have to endure some of this stuff. What I'm learning is God has placed before me an opportunity to have great relationships with people. Um, I've just been missing them all this time because I've been too busy doing a hundred other things. So I'm focusing on finding some friends. So all of these things, again, just by way of example, these are things that I'm working on. And as I mentioned earlier, none of these things are going to happen unless I were to, to set a plan into place. You have to work towards these thing, things. So at Christmas time, my wife uh, brought a, um, we went to visit her parents, my in-laws, and we're hanging out, enjoying some food and lots of good company and stuff. And, and my wife had brought with her a recipe box from her grandmother. Who, her dad's mom, who's no longer with us now. She's passed on many years ago. And she opens up this recipe box and inside are these um, like lard stained like, recipes, like written on index card. Like they look gross, like you don't want to touch them, but you know that the things that are on them are the best things you've ever eaten in all your life because grandma made them. And, and we're, we're reading these recipes and they're written in cursive, which again, is a lost art these days. And, and, and it's wonderful. And what we found when we're reading these, these recipes is that many of them just had the list of ingredients. Grandma didn't flip the thing over and give us the instructions on how to put them together. And do you know that's not how to bake? You can't just throw everything into one bowl and, and just turn it on and let it go. There's actually a, an order of events that must take place or it won't turn out right. See, grandma doesn't write those things down because she knows them intuitively. She knows that milk and butter and sugar go together first and you cream those together before you throw the vanilla in, right? Anyone else? Okay, guys, how about this? You, you put together a piece of Ikea furniture, <laughs> a, a bookshelf maybe. It's, it take a, an hour maybe. No, it's an afternoon is what it is. And, and, and you have to follow the steps. You know how it goes together. You can see the picture. I'll just put this on top of this. But if you don't follow the steps, if you're like me, you find yourself at the end of it realizing, oh, I probably should have done that first. And then you spend most of your time deconstructing that which you've already constructed. We need a plan. We need a, 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 a recipe, if you will, a step-by-step -step instruction. And, and this is where the Bible is helpful to us. 
There are many patterns in place in the Bible that, that God uses for us to mature us in spiritual disciplines, to help us grow and to mature, to become um, like Jesus, the Bible would say. Um, I, I want you to, to know this, that when we look to the Bible, we see the, the characters uh, in the Bible, the people in the Bible, and their lives oftentimes are patterns for us. Now, I know in this room, we are so individualistic. All of us take pride in the fact that we're different from everybody else. And if we were to, to share our resolutions or our goals with everyone else, they would look vastly different. I know all of that. But you also need to know this, that sometimes the solution for all of these goals, the, the, the plan or the pattern of, of events for us to reach all of these goals, many of those things are static. They're the same for all of us. And the Bible points to those a lot. Let me give you an example. As individualistic as we are in our society, there is only one way to find salvation. It is through a man named Jesus. Thank you, Noah. There are not different salvations available to us. There is only one. It is a one-size-fits-all salvation, yes? And even though we might have a myriad of different goals, the steps to attain those goals are oftentimes very similar. They're, they're the same. And so today I want to just read out of a passage in Luke's gospel. If you have a Bible with you, it's Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 38. If you don't have a Bible with you, you'll find a hardback black Bible underneath the seat close to you. And in that Bible, you can turn to page 869. 869. Uh, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. And we'll put the words on the screens for you. Oh, they beat me to it. So you can follow along there if you want to. Be lazy. No judgment. Okay. I don't care. It's what I do when I'm out there. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing, he said, is necessary. Mary, he said, has chosen the good portion, which should not be taken from her. I mentioned that there are principles and patterns in the Bible that we can use to spiritually grow, to become spiritually mature. Hidden in that short little passage, I think, are some two very important things for us to understand. So let's just pray and ask God to sort of uh, convene with us, if you will, that, that his Holy Spirit would come and he would supernaturally help us to understand ways that we can apply these verses to our lives to help us grow. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you again for all that you do for us. Thank you for, uh, first of all, gathering us together that we can gather and praise your name, sing songs to you and, and glorify everything that you do and have done for us. We pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us and you would open our, our hearts and our, our minds and our eyes and ears and we would be able to receive everything that you have for us. We come together to, to meet you and to know you and to understand. And all of this, we hope, would transform our lives as we look into the next year. God, be with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go into that passage in Luke, I want to read one verse from John's gospel. You don't need to turn there. I'll put it on the screen 
for you. But this, this passage is about um, Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. Verse 5 of John chapter 11 says this, Now Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved her sister, Mary, and Jesus loved Lazarus, their brother. Jesus loved these three siblings. And this love that John is talking about is not some generic love. It, it evokes and it intends to bring us to understand that Jesus and Martha knew each other intimately. He knew, not in that way, if you, you know what I mean, but like they, they were very good friends. They were close confidants. Jesus knew Mary as well. Jesus knew Lazarus. In fact, this Lazarus, if you know the story, was the same Lazarus who died at one point, was buried in a tomb, and Jesus came and opened the tomb and called Lazarus back from the dead. In that story, when Jesus sees the tomb where Lazarus is buried, it says that Jesus cried for him. Jesus wept for him. These are people who Jesus loves dearly and intimately. I bring all of that up to say this, that truly the first step in any of our hope for a spiritual growth or spiritual maturity is this, is to love Jesus and be loved by him first and foremost. We have to stand before Jesus and, and allow him to see the things in our lives that only the closest confidant or friend would ever know. In our world today, we talk about building walls or facades, facades uh, uh, in front of us, and we only present our best to others. And on the inside of us are, are shattered dreams, hidden sins, uh, dark secrets, broken things, pride, helplessness. All of these things are hidden inside of us, and yet the facade of our lives doesn't allow people to see it. Can I just lovingly tell you this? Jesus sees it. He sees it. All he's asking of you and of us is that we knock the wall down and let him into those places. It is then and only then can Jesus begin to heal us, fix us, put salve upon our wounds and address those issues in our lives. Jesus, the great physician, can heal anything. Say amen. Yes, the answer is yes, he can do that. In fact, he healed dead off of Lazarus. That sounds weird to say, but that's really what happened. He had dead on him, and God said no. Whatever's in your life that seems hopeless and broken, I'm just here to say Jesus can, can change it. Oh, my goodness, he can change it. Any hope for us to grow and mature, to become more like Jesus, any hope for us to, to be a light of Jesus on this earth, any hope for that it is rooted in that first, to know Jesus, to love him, and to let him love you as well. These siblings, Mary and Martha, we now go back to Luke's gospel and pick up the story here. When I first read this, it appears that Martha has somehow chosen incorrectly, that she's been too busy working, and Mary has chosen rightly, that the things that she's doing for Jesus is right. The things that Martha was doing was wrong. Martha was wrong, Mary was right. And when you read that, and I've actually heard that taught in church before, that if we're going to pattern our lives after somebody, we should pattern our lives after Mary. But I don't know if that's the only and or intended meaning in this passage. I think there are other things for us to understand. Martha, let's look at this again. Verse 38, they go in the village. Jesus comes to this village. Bethany is the name of it. And a woman named Martha welcomes him into her house. 
This is not the first time Martha has invited Jesus into her house. In fact, most scholars believe Martha's house was sort of home base for Jesus whenever he was in Bethany. He'd been there multiple times before. This is not the first time Martha has served Jesus. In fact, this is the way Martha chooses to show her devotion to Jesus. And every time before this, Jesus has accepted her service unto him. Jesus likes it when we serve him. One of the aspects of pattern for growth in our life could be settled in that. Not just know Jesus and love Jesus and let him love you, but number two is learn to serve Jesus. We need to learn to serve Jesus. If, if most people say that Martha was wrong in doing the service, but Mary was right in just sitting at the feet of Jesus to listen, then, then it's quite possible that Jesus was wrong in all the things that he was doing. That makes no sense to me. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this, that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went about the region and did good. He served others. If serving is wrong, then Jesus was wrong. That can't be the answer, yes? My point is this. Serving others and serving Jesus is a, a way for us to grow. Jesus wants it. There's a passage in Matthew's Gospel where it talks about the, the final judgment of our lives. The picture is this, that King Jesus returns. He gathers all of the people on the earth before him, and he says something like this. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me. He calls the people, that, the ones that God has blessed, and he calls his people and says, and when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a foreigner, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. And the people of God, it says in Matthew chapter 25, they, they question Jesus in this. When did we do these things to you? When did we feed you when you were hungry? When did we give you something to drink when you were thirsty? When did we welcome you when you were a stranger? When did we clothe you when you were naked? When, we, when did we come to you when you were sick? When did we visit you in prison? And he says this, whenever you did that to any of these brothers and sisters, you had done it unto me. Serving Jesus looks like serving other people. Ah, and it's not a bad thing. I'll argue it's quite possible the best thing you could do for your life. I love you. I care for you. And with as much pastoral care as I can muster right now, I say this to you. Many of you are way too selfish. Many of you have come to believe that this whole world is for you and about you and because of you. And I love you, and that is not true. This whole world is from Jesus, for Jesus, and because of Jesus. You live in his world. It is not yours. And when we dismantle that belief system in our lives, this narcissism that somehow seems to make it all about us, then and only then do we truly begin to understand selfless living, selflessness. The problem was not that Mary was serving Jesus. He had accepted it every time before. The problem was what Luke points to in verse 40. He says that Martha was distracted with much serving. She was doing too much. 
She was, she was not understanding what was at stake in this moment. We'll get to what's at stake here in a little bit. But Martha was missing the signs of what was taking place. She was busying herself when she had an opportunity. And I would argue, I know it's not in Scripture here, but I, I think we can surmise this, that she had an invitation to sit at Jesus' feet too. She just said no. She just busied herself because Jesus and his disciples had showed up, and I better make some food. She goes, Jesus, I know your favorite food. Let me, let me whip up a pot of your favorite food. Do you know what Jesus' favorite food is? It's pot roast, just so you know. I don't know how I know that. It just makes sense because it's one of my favorite foods. <laughs> and it's pot roast with new potatoes, and not those mini carrots, but carrots that have been peeled, the long ones, and then cut on a bias so that that all the, the, the outside uh, surfaces can suck in all that bovine goodness in the crock pot. You know what I'm talking about? All right, anyways, that's not in the Bible. I just feel that that's true. Pot roast. You hear, say it with me, pot roast. Anyway, Martha has this, this opportunity to sit with Jesus, but she would rather be distracted. In fact, the, the, uh, another translation says that, G, that, that Martha was cumbered. She was cumbered by all of the work that she was doing. And she gets so frustrated, this is, I love this, that she goes to Jesus and, and, and pouts to him. She's truly the old, older sibling because all the older siblings know that younger siblings do not listen to them, right? I, mom said we're supposed to, I'm not listening to you. And so she goes to Jesus and says, don't you care that she's not helping? Don't you care? She won't listen to me if I say something to her. You, you tell her what to do. You tell her to change. And and then with, with love in his voice, verse 41, Jesus answers Martha with this, Martha, Martha. He says her name twice. It, it, it speaks of like pity like, and sorrow. Martha, don't you, don't you know what you're asking? You're missing all of this. You are so anxious and troubled about many things. The, the picture here, many commentators think, She's just busy with the meal. She's just busy trying to, to provide for her guests. And the greater thing Jesus would say is that you would sit at my feet and listen. Now, here's the second thing, or, the, or rather the third thing that I think we need to know for spiritual growth. Number one is to know Jesus and to let him know you, to love Jesus, to let him love you. Secondly is learn to serve Jesus. And we serve Jesus by serving other people. And in that, it, it takes the selfishness of our lives out into the street, puts a bullet in it, and we leave it there. We're no longer selfish people, modeling our lives after Jesus. And then thirdly, we learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. We learn to listen to Jesus when he talks to us. This language, sitting at Jesus' feet, is very common in their culture. They used to sit around the rabbis when the teachers would come in and all the disciples and students would gather around them as they would expound wisdom and great learned things to them and they would try to assimilate all of them. Everyone typically is invited to join them. Mary seems to understand something is unique about this. A, a, a backstory here you need to understand. We are six months from the crucifixion of Jesus at this point in history. For three, three and a half years, Jesus has been traveling the countryside with his disciples, teaching them many times. And I'm, I'm convinced Mary at other times was serving Jesus just like her sister Martha. But something inside of Martha told her, we don't have Jesus for very much longer. Six months he'll be crucified on a cross for our sins. Six months he's gone. And she understood the better thing in this moment. And she sat down right there to listen to him. Many people believe Mary was in fact a prophetess because she could see this. 
She understood something no one else did. And she sat at the feet of Jesus, which was, encur- which was encouraged for the people in their day. Unless you're a woman. Women typically did not sit at the feet of teachers or rabbis. Women did not typically sit at the feet of those expounding wisdom and learned things. Mary, in her great wisdom and understanding the urgency of the time, broke all social norms and did it anyways. Sitting at Jesus' feet, learning the wisdom of Jesus is incredibly important to your spiritual discipline. Incredibly important that you understand who he is. And you need to understand the urgency of the hour to get there too. I, uh, I love the hope of a new year. I look forward to the new year, but I'm telling you, I've pastored far too long and presided over far too many funerals to not say this. <laughs> no one is guaranteed that you will be here again next year. It's just a reality. The, the, the numbers would dictate this. We would just know if we just ran the odds here. <laughs> Jeff, you're a jerk. You're, a, you're bumming me out, man. I know. I know. This is why those things on my goal list for next year are the things that they are, because I, too, sense the urgency of the day. We need to understand this. Okay, so I'm old, right? I'm 49 years old. I know I look good in this jean jacket and all of that, but I'm an old guy. Young people, hear me. My, my decade, my 30 to 40 was like that, man. And all the gray hairs are going, mm-hmm, right? That's, it happens like that. You, you think there's a whole lot of time out there. I'm just here to say it's not always the case. Mary, in uh, um, profound wisdom, understood that. And rather than busy herself serving others, paused for a moment to come and sit at his feet and to learn from him. You, you want to grow next year? You have to learn to discern the urgency of the hour and do the same thing. This is going to cost you, by the way. There will be those around you who will deem this socially unacceptable. <laughs> Why are you staying in on Friday night, man? Let's go out. Let's do, you were there last weekend or whatever, right? You have all that. There will be pressure to just sort of fold into what everyone else is doing, but you'll have to say no. Much like Mary said no. Mary said, I'm not busy in myself with that. Is this, is this making sense to anyone? The, the, the issue, and I need you to hear this, it's not which one should we become. It's not should we be Martha or should we be Mary? I think the answer is we need both. We need to be both of them. And it's, it's blessed is the person who truly can find the balance in there. Just for the record, I'm a server just by nature. I love to help people. Unless you're moving, I'm busy that day. I just don't do, I don't do furniture anymore, man. I'll paint your kitchen like no one's business, but I'm not picking up a couch. I'm sorry, right? But I love to help people, and my proclivity is to do that. And God awakens me all the time and says, Jeff, I just wish you'd spend more time with me. Hence, I want to read my Bible more. Hence, I want to pray more. Hence, I'll, you know what I mean? It's like the, the God is letting me see this. So you and I, we need to find the balance here. Uh, when I was studying this week, I, I ran across a quote um, from someone. I didn't write his name down, and I know this is called plagiarism, but eh, it's whatever. Um, he said this, few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ 
without taking time to commune with Christ. Whew. Like literally knocked the, the, the legs right out from underneath me in that moment. That, Jeff, this is you, bro. This is you. Few things are as damaging to the Christian life. This is a suit that I wear every day, that I work and work and work and don't spend time with Jesus. So for me, that's easy. I, ha- I say easy. It's simple, maybe not easy. I understand it now, and I, I move towards that in my life. I'm going to spend more time knowing him this year. What are you going to do? I don't know. That's what we have to do. So we're going to stop here. I'm going to have the band come back up. I want to pray for us. And we're going to believe that God would speak to us. I, I am of the persuasion that still believes that God talks to us and we can understand what he has, uh, what he's saying to us. I believe God still directs the paths of our lives. I believe if, if all of us were to take a moment and to consider what God has for us in 2019, many of those things are wonderful and great. But I'm here to tell you, they are not going to happen by accident. You will not trip into wonderful things. <laughs> you labor to, you will not trip into spiritual maturity. You will not fall into spiritual disciplines. You have to labor into them. And this is where um, in this prayer, we ask the Holy Spirit, who is the powerhouse of God, to equip us to move forward. Jesus, before he left his disciples to return to heaven, he says, it's a good thing that I go away because I'm going to send to you a helper, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will uh, uh, abide in you and he will comfort you and teach you and encourage you. He will convince you of your waywardness. He will convince you of your sin. He will tell you the things that he does not like to see in your life. And then not only will he expose them to you like a good father that he is, he will give you the power to root those things out of your life. How cruel would he be to just expose your shortcomings and not help you do anything about it? He's he's here to help us. He's here to guide us into what he wants for us. So let's pray together, shall we? Lord, thank you again for our time together. Thank you for the, the, the picture, the model of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, those that you loved, those that you had a, a deep and intimate relationship with. Father, help us to foster that first and foremost in our lives that we come to know you greater and allow you to know us greater, that we withhold nothing from you. I thank you for the picture of Martha, one who's willing to use all of the gifts and talents that you have bestowed her with to serve your people, to serve Jesus and his disciples. Thank you for that. She be encouraged that that is in fact good and godly for us to do that. And Lord, thank you for the picture and the pattern of Mary's life, who in the busyness of all life seemed to understand that there there was just an urgency of the day to sit down and just focus upon Jesus and to let the cares of the world uh, slide down the wayside. And I pray for all of us here that we become people like Martha and Mary. And even Lazarus, Lord, as we allow you to raise 
all of the broken and dead things in our lives back to the newness of life. But 2019 for us truly can be the greatest year with you in it. And we seek you in all things. Lord, we thank you and we give praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicator.org backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.